With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey gang, quick bit of housekeeping for you before we start the show. And this is only relevant to those of you who listen to us on the Apple Podcasts app or via Apple. So if you don't move along, as the great Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, nothing to see here. But if you do listen to us via Apple, listen carefully, particularly if you're an old school listener of the show. Before we became the Nat Coombs show on ESPN, when we were the NFL show, you would have got the show updated when we moved without having to do a thing. But that's because the old show had a divert put on it. So to check, you'll subscribe to the new feed because the old one is going to go pretty soon. Check out the Nat Coombs show. Search for it on the app via the podcast browse section or the store section if you're looking on the desktop and find our show and see if it shows whether you're subscribed or not. If you are, great, you're on the right feed. If you're not, hit subscribe and delete the old one. So head on over, not in your library, but actually onto Apple. Search the Nat Coombs show. Make sure you're subscribed to the feed that you find. Simple. Good luck. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us. We've got a great show for you this week. None other than the brilliant Field Yates. I am, of course, if nothing else, a company man and Field, one of the big names across the pond at ESPN, particularly you guys will know him as the anchor of the fantastic Fantasy Focus pod, the 06010, a show close to my heart, of course. A Field coming up very very shortly just a quick reminder we're going to be rolling all through the off season so free agency which starts next week the draft which is coming up soon you will not miss a trick as long as you subscribe to us so go and hit uh, wherever you are listening to if you haven't already hit subscribe and you will get the show drop it into your podcatcher each and every week let us get straight down to it welcome to the show the brilliant field yates field yates welcome to the show man Good mor- I was going to say good morning, but I realized two things. A, we're in different time zones, very different we time are. zones. Correct. B, this is a podcast. So when people listen to this, it might be, you know, they might be in bed, getting ready to go to sleep. <laughs> so hello, Nat. Nice to talk. It is, firstly, that is why you are one of ESPN, or should I even go as far as to say the NFL's foremost insiders for establishing the fact that we are indeed in different time zones. So straight I, off the bat. Dropping the big guns there. And you make a really that. interesting point as well. <laughs> no problem. Really interesting point straight away that you and I, of course, uh, different strings to our bow and, uh, but podcasts are a big part of our, of our professional lives. And do you often wonder where people are listening to you? Because you make a great point that we're not like when we do live stuff like live radio or live TV. Uh, I guess they could be listening or watching in many different places then as well, but particularly with podcasts. So you have, you know, at the gym, you could be sneaking a listening at work and I guess some slightly more outlandish places as well. It's the best. It's my favorite medium right now in terms of consumption in a lot of ways. Um, and it's, it's a, as you just mentioned, all of the ways that it applies to your life are great. I am a fervent, when I'm at the gym, I am listening to a podcast person. It is my thing to do at the gym now. And I was just recently looking through my iTunes 
music library and realized that I hadn't downloaded a new song in like a month. Like I've just totally been on hiatus from music and instead been locked in on the podcast. What is, what is on the Field Yates music playlist then? What rocks your world musically? Yeah, music, I, 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 need to, I need to sort of revisit some things, but that's got a steady dose of some country music. Um, country and then I'll be honest with you. I am very, very much a radio music consumer, as in, hey, if there is a uh, song that's popular on the radio, whether it's here domestically <laughs> in the States or across yeah. the pond with you guys, I'm listening to it. I'm just, I, I, I wish I could say I was cooler than that, but I'm not. But I think just by just by fronting up to that, it makes you automatically cool. It would be yeah, if you were kind of trying hard and saying yeah, I'm really deep diving into gangster rap, that would be a little bit. But you, you, you I think you're automatically cool by going the populist route. So nailing that. Well, you know, what are the other you things? know our friend, you know our friend Daniel Dock from the podcast, the Fantasy Podcast, who is like a music world. junkie. Yes, yeah, Secrets World. He could actually give you like twelve bands that you've never heard of. Whereas if I tried to name one band that was uh, cool or different or unique, people would immediately recognize how phony I was being. So I just stick to the usual. <laughs> stick to the hit. I love it. All part of the game plan for you programming the Super Bowl halftime show in about 10 years' time. <laughs> I think that's where we're going with that. I can't wait. I'm in. Now, uh, we, we talk part and, and mutual friends. So let's kind of get into that and straight off the bat. And, and of course, the, the 06010, the fantasy focus is far more than a pod these days, of course, but the, it started out as a pod was one of the original, uh, super pods. And, and that is, uh, where we have a lot of common ground because I've been coming on the show. God, since my first stint at ESPN back in God, time flies back. 2010 was the first time I rocked up to the utter confusion of, of TMR and at the time Nate uh, uh, in Bristol in their studio where I'd been booked to go on the, on the show and uh, but we've been firm friends ever since and because you have rolled in and been uh, anchoring that show for a number of years now as it's grown from strength to strength and and become multimedia so it must be a really really fulfilling to be involved with a show which is so much fun and so funny and I know a lot of our listeners uh, are regular listeners to to your show as well but at the same time. The, the best in standard, right? In terms of fantasy intel and advice, uh, it is it is right up there at the very top. So it, it's it's just a great project to be involved with, I'd imagine. Well, you're very, very kind for all of those words. Let me start by saying that what is really unique about our show, or at least maybe it's unique to podcasting, but I really feel it through our show, is we live in a world today that with social media, we can really connect with viewers, listeners, readers, followers, can feel like we're one step or one click away from them. But in our podcast specifically, it really does feel like you are connected to a large mass of people on a personal level because of their engagement with the show every day. There are people that listen religiously. There are people that uh, write in to tell us about their experience listening to the show, whether it's, hey, I drive a truck and I drive late hours of the night. I drive overnight. I drive during poor conditions. I drive during darkness, whatever it is. There are people that use it at the gym. There are people that use it as a way to connect the family. So it's such a fulfilling um, process to be a part of. And the, the people that we have on the show, it's, you know, Matthew and Daniel and Stefania and Mike and Kyle and Keith and everybody that's involved with the show that's my family at work. And that part is really gratifying as well. And we can only hope to provide great fantasy football content, which 
is such a popular and saturated field now, but we hope that we stand out in the right ways for our audience, which is to me the most loyal uh, that you could find in the podcast space. You know what I loved about your, or what I love about your tenure on the show is that it's a difficult thing to do, I guess, to come into an established show. And, and although the, the channels, I guess, have become enhanced, you know, you mentioned video and pushing stuff out live on, on social and, you know, really, really smart adopters of, of multi-channel. And I think that's, that's really cool. But nevertheless, when you came into the show, it was a massive pod. It's one of the biggest pods in, in sports, right? And you had, it's a difficult gig, I guess, to roll into something that's already established, but you made it your own and, and you've taken it into a different place. And I think that that is you know, testament to you as, as a broadcaster. But was that, were you a little bit nervous coming into or concerned about the fact that rather than a brand new show that you could stamp your authority on straight away, it was something that already existed? Yeah, it was a weird sort of, um, there was these two parallel tracks that were playing in my mind. On the one, it, one side, it was, wow. ESPN wants me to be a part of a podcast that is award-winning, has a huge user base, is very much, um, you know, it's fun, it's informative. It, it checks a lot of the boxes of what you would want in a podcast. On the other hand, I realized that, all right, this podcast has been doing a great job for a long, long time. The bar that Nate set um, in that role was incredibly high. If I joined the podcast and the podcast experienced anything other than growth, mm. no one was going to point the finger at somebody else. It was going to be, what's changed, <laughs> right. right? It's not like right. Matthew has gotten worse at his job. Matthew gets better every year. He gets funnier, more entertaining. Daniel and Stefania and the people that had been there beforehand, nothing changed with them. So if I came on and next thing you know, the podcast starts to slip or regress, or become less entertaining, or become less popular, ESPN's not going to sit there and evaluate what the people that have been on the show have done differently. <laughs> right. They're going to say, maybe the, the, the person that we, that we thought could become a straw that stirs the drink and field was not the right person. But <laughs> right. really, fortunately, the, the, you know, at least the numbers have told us we've, we've seen growth, and we've really had a lot of fun. And I think that... Um, I really, and I'm not trying to be just like cheesy company mensch here, but when <laughs> that change took place, you know, the family of the 06010 welcomed me in and understood that things would be different, but different doesn't mean worse sometimes. Sometimes different just means different. And we've really, really had a lot of fun. And, you know, we've also introduced a lot of new listeners since then who may not know what life looked like or sounded like in this case prior to my existence on the podcast. And, we feel like it's a more the merrier medium. If we want to have or, you know, as many new fans as we can bring aboard, the better. You know, when I did, I did the show last season. I think you weren't uh, on it. You finished recording. I think you had to be somewhere else. So I did like a two-way with, with TMR. And um, uh, that was the first time I think I'd done video because prior to that, it always just been like an audio appearance. And there were quite a few. You talk about the 06010 family. There were quite a few, I think, that were disappointed that I wasn't a – they had this sort of vision as you build up when you're listening to, to podcast or radio, right? As somebody. And, uh, I guess in this day and age, it's quite easy, easy to Google someone, but apparently some of your listeners hadn't. I think pictured me as a kind of 67 year old professor from Hogwarts. <laughs> quite disappointed <laughs> to, to find out oh, that I man. wasn't. So, uh, good times. Um, 
just one more of fantasy and then I want to get into to, to news because, of course, outside of, of anchoring the 0610, you are, of course, a, a writer, a broadcaster, a man of many talents and, and a, an NFL insider. So I want to talk to you about some of the big news stories going around. But just one more on fantasy. Ollie, our producer, and I were chatting before we came uh, or came to record and uh, he made a really interesting point that what is it like playing, now you are the anchor of the, this show, uh, to be playing in super leagues where you're up against all the other top fantasy league experts. I mean, it must be like a kind of the world when in the world series of poker, the top table has got all the top guys around it and it's just uh, absolutely high stakes there. So talk us through what it's like being in the mix with all the very great fantasy minds and having, uh, having to hold your own. What's really fun is um, during the draft process, because a lot of the people that I'm playing with, are people that I also work with. I have a sense of how they're going to approach the draft. And then when we get into the draft and we're competing against each other, we all try to sort of outfox the other one by doing things that we wouldn't normally do. So the draft process goes from predictable to complete mayhem. And then during <laughs> the season, let me be honest with you, Nat. If I'm playing in a league with a bunch of people that are in the fantasy community, and our experts for any company, ESPN or otherwise, and I'm doing great, then I feel on top of the world. I'm saying to myself, I am the man. I am the best at what I do. Um, people should be <laughs> listening to me more. And when you're doing poorly, then you know what I do? I go check my other leagues. I'm like, well, hey, you know what? <laughs> Maybe I stink in the fantasy experts league, and I'm, I'm two and six right now, but I'm eight no in my league against my cousins um you know really what you comes down to that as well you really want to show him that as well don't you if you are struggling in one league. but look at the, just drop yeah. that in look at my other leagues i'm nailing it i'm absolutely nailing yeah. it. when you are on, yeah. on top you do that in the mirror is that the kind of thing that you kind of wake up and say i'm i'm the boss well it's probably a good reminder what what's the uh, the expression is when you uh win say little when you lose say less or maybe it's the opposite way around. When you win, I'm sorry, when you lose, say little. When you win, say yes, uh, less, excuse me. Because, you know, it's, hey, if I sit there and I get on my high horse when I'm doing well in a, in a fantasy experts league, then I know that when I'm doing poorly, it's going to come back around and I'm going to regret having made it so public that I was doing well. So um, I know we're being a little silly here and having fun, but I think the reality is that, in all fantasy leagues that I play in, I feel equipped to organize a league or organize a team that I have faith in going into the season. But fantasy football is a game of uncontrollables. Mm. There are 22 players on every play that directly impact the result of that play. So um, I think it's important to remember that as much as we would like to be, you know, um, considering ourselves the experts or considering ourselves the four most threat to win the league or, you know, the, 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 the favorites, like, you know, there's still going to be some leagues that are totally out of your control. So you have to kind of ride the wave. And that's what I've learned to enjoy is that you can't win them all, but I'm sure going to do my best to try understanding that every single year, um, the process is what I really have to enjoy. It can't only be the result that happened on, you know, Tuesday morning when you wake up. It is the climb, as Miley Cyrus would say. 
<laughs> that's yeah, that's right. That's right. Right. Um, okay, Phil, let's get down to, to news. And we've got to, we've got to lead off with uh, a story that is dominating uh, much of the world, of course, and irrespective of sports with coronavirus and uh, it, a story that developed seemingly hourly. And over the last 24 hours, we've had the U.S. Uh, establishing a, a ban to uh, travelers from many European countries, although uh, Britain not on that list. So I could still kind of head over for the, for the foreseeable future. And the NBA closing down, La Liga over here in Europe closing down. So it's an, it's an odd time for most of us, a challenging time for most of us to be involved in, in sports right now. It is, uh, very surreal given the, the rate that things just understandably seem to be shutting down and, and closing down. What do you think, or what do you think the impact is going to be on the NFL in, in the short to midterm? So say the draft, of course, which is coming up. There's talk that uh, the schedule uh, might be delayed in terms of announcements. So what have you heard in terms of how coronavirus will impact the NFL over the coming weeks? You know something? I haven't actually heard, or I don't know for, for fact, when, when, when this podcast will be posted uh, live for all of your loyal listeners to hear. So let's, if it's okay, and you can edit this out if need be, you and I are having this conversation around 2.15 London time on Thursday. And the only reason why I reveal that is that it's possible by the time people listen to this podcast, what I'm about to say could completely change. So we are now exactly, yet we are exactly six weeks away from the start of the NFL draft, which is April 23rd in Las Vegas. On the one hand, six weeks is coming close and a lot of other leagues are obviously, as you just mentioned, are acting right away. Obviously, in, in North America, we've already seen the NBA postpone its season. I would not be surprised if there is some sort of change to the NFL draft um, because, um, you know, as scary as it is to say, I don't think we're at the beginning. I'm sorry, I don't think we're at the, you know, the end, the final chapter of what is taking place with the coronavirus. I think we are starting to get, you know, we're, we're in the beginning stages, scarily, but hopefully, hopefully we have. Um, antidotes and antibi- you know, ways to to fight this virus uh, soon enough that can be distributed or at least administered rapidly. But I think the NFL draft is going to have to take a long, hard look at ways that um, the draft could be altered. Uh, NFL league meetings are even more are even sooner than that, which are um, March 29th, I believe is the first day. Yeah, it's, it's Sunday, March 29th. Uh, mm-hmm. It would not surprise me, Nat, if the um, NFL League meetings are canceled. They're scheduled to be held in Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, you, usually the way those work for the owners' meetings is the owners are all there, the head coaches are all there, the GMs are all there, and then a large, large portion of media members are there as well. It wouldn't surprise me if that is canceled. I don't have any knowledge on that. It's just, you know, I'm just sort of following logic here, right? Sure, um, sure. We're sort of getting the point where it's like if there's a large contingent of people that are scheduled to be somewhere, why, like, you know, why take the risk? Um, if it's something that can be done without all of those people meeting up, then maybe it makes sense. Now, in terms of things that are sort of more applicable to teams um, or to, uh, to the NFL calendar, you know, we're still – what, six months away from games being played. So I think it's far too soon to be talking about threat of, 
you know, regular season games being canceled or scheduled or rescheduled or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think in the meantime, you know, I, we've already heard of NFL teams having to adjust their travel plans during their pre-draft research, things of that nature. Um, but for right now, the NFL, I mean, I don't want to say they're lucky because no one's lucky right now, but mm. there are, uh, you know, it, it would be a it's a lot more difficult um, experience for the NBA to navigate given and, and the NHL for that matter. And all the professional leagues that are playing right now that are right in the middle of it. The thick of it. The NFL is fortunate in that sense to be in its off season. Although on that note, I mean, that's a very fair point, but I, I noticed uh, a few people make, this point, Jason Nakamura amongst them, actually, that speculating as to whether as, as coronavirus, which is obviously having a significant impact commercially across many industries and the markets and everything else, whether it will impact the spending or otherwise of NFL teams and whether actually their uh, teams and owners might be a little bit more profligate when it comes to opening up the checkbook uh, until there's a more, sh- more surety in terms of the economic climate. Yeah, that's actually an interesting thought. I hadn't put a ton of effort into imagining, wondering whether or not teams will just sort of spend frugally because the possibility of decreased revenue. Um, mm. I don't know. And I think it's possible that teams will factor it in, but I do think the NFL's profits are so substantial. And because so much of the NFL's money derives from its television deals, which right. we have no reason to think those won't be fulfilled right now, um, that I don't think owners will dramatically impact or, or, or sort of alter their, their, their spending limits for their general managers and scouting department. And I'll tell you what, there are a lot of players, a lot of players that are preparing on March 18th when the NFL league year begins to be making all sorts of money. So um, if if owners do adjust their mentality um, or their spending limits, it's going to have a huge impact on a lot of people. It's not just quarterbacks. It's all kinds of players who want to make a bunch of money. My guess right now, um, my guess, again, is that things don't change, but it's an interesting thought to sort of vet out further. Yeah. Well, let's talk about assuming that it doesn't affect business too much and certainly – uh, it won't uh, in totality stop business. So we're getting to that stage of, of proceedings, of course, in, in the off season and free agents and re-upping and all kinds of movement. So let's look at a few of those. Let's start with the Cowboys, because as we knew, we anticipated going into this off season, they got some big questions to answer. And they're a team, of course, that have benefited very much in recent years from discovering a quarterback that didn't cost them very much because it was, he wasn't a high first round pick and, has been running the show on a minimal deal uh, for for a number of years. But now it's crunch time and, and Dak Prescott needs to get paid. Reports flying around that he's been offered a deal over worth over $100 million. What can you tell us about the latest on the Cowboys and Dak Prescott and, and what you think is going to – or how you think it's going to play out? You know, it's very interesting because people seem to circle back to this question. Why can't they get this deal done? What don't the cow and they, they seem to think that because a deal isn't done, one of two things are true. One or A would be the Cowboys don't actually want to keep Dak Prescott long term. Mm-hmm. B, Dak Prescott is being unreasonable in his contract desires. 
To which I would tell people, neither of those things is true. The Cowboys want to keep Dak Prescott long-term. Dak Prescott is not being unreasonable. I would simply remind people that quarterback contracts never get done easily, Matt. I mean, we've seen enough different examples of quarterbacks who, for whatever reason, um, you know, their deal looks like it's getting close to being done, and then next thing you know, it gets delayed. And Kirk Cousins, his delay resulted in him departing Washington. But there are others. I mean, even Drew Brees, when we thought he was staying with the Saints, not this year, but the last time he had a contract negotiation, that deal took a lot of time to hammer out. It's just there are so many details that go into this process. And as much as the most important decision the Cowboys have to make right now is whether or not to uh, pay or how much to pay Dak Prescott, they've got a lot of other stuff that they're working on too. It's not as right. if Jerry Jones and the Jones family just spends all day, you know, reviewing proposals back and forth with Dak's agent, Todd France. So I'm just cautioning people to, uh, to believe that either A, the Cowboys don't want Dak long-term, or B, that Dak doesn't want to be there. I think the reality is just that these things take a lot of time. A franchise tag is probably a good starting point. And ultimately, I think Dak has a long, long-term deal with the Cowboys. And for Dak's sake, in some ways, there might be a worthwhile uh, patience because you're going to see how all these other quarterback contracts shake out let's say philip rivers gets 34 million dollars to sign somewhere Dak prescott's going to say i want at least 34 million dollars a year right i mean he's been right. better than philip rivers of late so um right. some of this is just um you know small steps in the process that add up to one big collective source of um consternation for cowboys fans mm, that is a really interesting point you make actually that kind of stalling to see how the market settles and other deals get done first of course you don't want to necessarily blink first if you're if you're you know with Prescott's you know, part of Prescott's team I guess one of the other factors here too is Amari Cooper who and the Cowboys have got a reasonable amount of cap space relatively speaking right so they can get deals done but at the same time it's another expensive deal to get done and I guess Prescott to some de- well to a significant degree is going to want Amari Cooper around as well Amari Cooper's in a difficult situation because he had such a brilliant start and for a long time is it, it, relatively short sample size, of course, but his Cowboys career has been pretty successful, but he's not exactly at the high point at the moment, given how last season played out latterly for him. He kind of dipped a bit compared to where he'd been beforehand. So what do you think about Cooper? Do you think the Cowboys, if they're going to pay Prescott, then they've got to pay Cooper as well and keep those two in lockstep? Or do you think Cooper could hit the open market? So I am of this mind. And, let me, let me start by saying this, Nat, is when players take a deal or make any sort of deal, I always want them to do a deal that is in their best interest, and I want them to define what their best interests are. The reason why I say that is as simple as it would be for me to say, hey, Amari Cooper, go wait for the, you know, just like, you know, wait for this deal or take this deal. It's up to him, right? It's his money, his life, his family, his all those things. Now, that being said, if it were me in Amari Cooper's shoes without knowing any sort of unique, uncommon circumstances, my desire at this point, when we are just days away from him him hitting the open market, would be to not sign a deal from the Cowboys unless my agent had 
actively sought other offers from other teams, and I know that that's technically not allowed, but we also know that it also definitely happens, Mm -hmm. and had a very good feel for what the top of the market was going to look like. So let's say he's gone out there and his agent has has spoken to, and I'm just going to make teams up, the Eagles and the Jaguars and the Titans. And all three of them say, hey, listen, if he hits the open market, we're preparing to offer Amari Cooper five years and $100 million. Well, then if the Cowboys offer him a cent less than that, I'm not taking it. Now, Mm. if he's gone out and he's gauged the offers and the Cowboys have said, we'll meet it, then I'm, then I'm fine with Amari Cooper taking that deal, especially because that would prevent the franchise tag uh, being used on him, or it would allow the Cowboys to use the franchise tag on Dak. And let's be honest, Dak and Amari have a lot of reasons to believe in each other, given the success they've had in just one and a half years together. If he reaches the open market and he desires to leave, Amari Cooper will be one of the richest wide receivers in the NFL. Yeah, no doubt. There is going to be a, a, a lot of teams queuing up for him. Byron Jones, another player in the mix as well there. So you're absolutely right. Jerry Jones has got a lot of uh, negotiating to do. But what about other free agents that are maybe getting less traction in, in media terms, that are maybe going a little bit under the radar, that you think we should be keeping more of an eye on? Who are Field Yates's underrated or under the radar free agents that we should be paying more attention to? So what I'm going to tell you is less specific to players and more specific to positions because offensive linemen are going to make a lot of dough. Let me tell you that right now. A lot of money is coming the way of offensive linemen, the big guys who deserve to be paid, but also guys that play a position where it's really hard to find really good players. So there are guys that people know the name of, or maybe, maybe don't, Brandon Scherf, whether it's Joe Tooney, whether it's mm. guys of that caliber, Jack Conklin, Conklin we're going to yeah. make a ton of money. Yeah, this offseason. So it is um, definitely a good time to be an offensive lineman. I think it's a good time to be a tight end because the tight end market has been sort of stagnant of late. Um, and then, you know, I would just say any position that normally gets paid in free agency, pass rushers, cornerbacks, what happens is that once we skim the top with the best guys, then the next man up will start to benefit from so from that. So it may not be that um, you know that every pass rusher available gets a record-setting contract or anything close to that. But like I said, Marcus Golden, for example, is a name from the Giants that like you know he may not be the top-paid pass rusher, but he can make somewhere between like eight to twelve million dollars per season because. So many of the top pass rushers will get tagged. Jadevi and Clowney will get boatloads of money from somebody. And then Marcus Golden will be not a, a, a consolation prize, but a guy that is really effective and he's just not quite as expensive as somebody like Jadevi and Clowney. Mm. In, interesting. We know we, we are tight for time field. I know you are, as we've established, super busy, all kinds of stuff going on. So before we let you go, I just want to get your take on Brady in particular, because again, that's a story that just keeps on taking twists and turns and more stuff comes out. And do you think ultimately the decision as to where Tom Brady plays next season is down to Tom Brady or is it more complicated than that? Well, I'm actually, I'm going to Google. I'm, I'm not familiar with Tom Brady, so I'm going to look him up right now and see who he is. Uh, uh, I think he was driving to quite a low Around pick. He's done okay. He's had a, he's had, you know, he's a, he's a journeyman. Pro. Okay. Got <laughs> it. Oh, journeyman Tom Brady. There it is. Um, 
Let me start here <laughs> and say that um, I don't know where Tom Brady will go. I don't know. So whatever I say here is, is truly an estimation or, or guess, for lack of a better term. Noted. What I do think for Tom Brady is that um, he needs to have a conversation with the Patriots, and he needs to convey to them, this is what it's going to take for me to get here. All right? Remember, Tom Brady wanted a no-franchise tag provision a year ago. Remember that. I mean, if mm-hmm. he, he which, which means, Matt, like he wanted the opportunity to be a free agent. Well, now, here it is, right? And he's a free agent, and if he wants to return to New England, he's going to have to convey to them, all right, this is what I want in order to stick around. Once he does that, then I think there can be more fruitful conversations. Um, but the, to- the clock is ticking now. So, like, clearly this has got to get done soon. So um, he's got to convey that to the Patriots. And the Patriots have to say, that, like, Tom, what's it going to take? And once you let us know what it's going to take, we have to decide if we can make that happen. So um, I think, and again, I use the word think very um, uh, intentionally here, I think Tom Brady, if I had to guess, my guess is he stays in New England. But there's been a lot of reporting that to suggest that he won't. So um, I think it's possible um, that he goes elsewhere. Again, I'm just guessing. Um, I personally believe that the best opportunity for Tom Brady to continue his career at a high level, continue to win, is to stay with the Patriots. Well, this is it. This, to me, is the crux of it, right? And I guess there are two sides to looking at extending a career when you're a player like Brady, right, that will believe, and one of the reasons he's been so successful is that self-belief, will believe he can go on playing at the top level uh, indefinitely, but also that versus the realistic chance of a championship, knowing that he's probably only got a few more chances at it. There's there's a difference, isn't there? Brady, Tampa Bay keeps getting keeps coming up, and Arians would, I guess, appeal to Brady creatively, and they're not totally away uh, uh, from the races in terms of being maybe a playoff team next season, but it, there are much more of a reach than certainly the Patriots and, and many other destinations. I just can't see Brady extending his career at a team that could go eight and eight or maybe squeak in at nine and seven and not be a viable contender for a Super Bowl run. I can't imagine him doing that. I think he'd rather hang him up than, yeah. uh, than count the final years. I felt the same way, Nat, is that if I'm Tom Brady, and again, in the same way that I mentioned, like, I'm not making the decision for Mari Cooper. I'm not making the decision for Tom Brady. It's their decision to make on their own. But if you're Tom Brady and you're going to leave New England, don't you think it would only be to go somewhere where you are the difference between that team winning the Super Bowl and not winning the Super Bowl? I mean, that's what exactly. the standard is in New England, is that if they don't make the Super Bowl, it's a disappointing season. Think about that. Yes. Like, we've got people jumping for joy just when their team makes the playoffs. The Patriots go 12-4, and win their division again, and it's a disappointing year by their own standards. So that's why if I'm Tom Brady and I'm evaluating the places to go besides New England, part of my mindset is, all right, if I go there, wherever there is, we better be considered a Super Bowl favorite. And if I'm not, then check it off my list. I personally do not believe that Tampa Bay – fits that criteria. Yeah, totally. And particularly because it's Tom Brady. I mean, you could think that about many quarterbacks of his age and of his vintage uh, in terms of ability, but because he has been at 
the most successful franchise in the history of the league. That that's a, a really acute point as well. So yeah, I, ca- I can't see that eventuality happening as well. Field, we are out of time. It is an absolute pleasure catching up with you. Uh, really, really good that we finally had some one-on-one time having you know guest on your show a little bit. TMR. Uh, you know, messing around and uh, and all the good fun stuff. It's good to have a, a a proper sit down and a chat with you. So massively appreciate that. No problem. Always great to catch up, and let's do it again soon. And hopefully, you know, in times like this, things that are there are things that are far more important than sports. Um, we hope that in time the focus will be able to turn back to sports because this pandemic is under control. But right now, we continue to wish. Anybody and everybody that's impacted it or will be impacted by it uh, well and best. And hopefully this finds we find a way to uh, move past this in the not too distant future. Well said, man. Well, on that note, look after yourself and, and all your own and send our, our very best to the ESPN family across the pond. Uh, and we'll catch up with you very soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Nat. Really good to catch up with Phil. Just good to sit down and talk about things without necessarily driving the news agenda first and foremost like when neil reynolds dropped by the studio last season we've got to find out a little bit more about him same with field and we're going to be doing that a lot with personalities that you know and love whether they're brits americans hey maybe we'll sneak some aussies in as well who knows what the off season holds but some brilliant one-on-one interviews coming your way all through the coming months free agency gets underway next week we'll be back on thursday with an update on all the deals that you need to know about. So we'll see you then. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.